Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We're back in the book of John. We're finishing up chapter 19, and we'll be heading into chapter 20. Jesus has just been crucified. And so now, chapter 19, 38, what happens? After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So... Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy guy, he had been a disciple, but, you know, in secret, we we can't criticize him too much for that because after the crucifixion, as McGee points out, Jesus' own disciples were scattered. They go into secret, but then the Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who were disciples in secret, they come out now in the open. They go straight over to Pilate and ask for the body. You know, so interesting that those in the open go into secret and those in the secret come out into the open. But God uses everybody's faith differently here. But um, so he came and he took the body, took his body. Nicodemus, who had also earlier had come to Jesus by night, again in secret, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds. So they were obviously working together. They took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen clothes with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. And McGee pointed out that the Jews had learned embalming from the Egyptians. And so they would have kind of made a mummy out of him. You know, wrapping each finger, then the hands, then the arms, you know, toes, feet, legs, and then the core body last, you know, in the head. Kind of makes a mummy out of him. And then the uh, the myrrh and the aloes would have, uh, McGee says, kind of makes a glue and just kind of holds all this together. Now, verse 41, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had yet been laid. 
So because of the Jewish day of preparation, the tomb was close at hand. They laid Jesus there. And other gospel accounts say this is Joseph's of Arimathea's you know, new tomb. He's given Jesus his own tomb. There's nobody in it. Um, and my study Bible says, you know, these tombs would have had multiple sort of little areas to put several different bodies in as time goes on. So um, this was a brand new one. Now we come to chapter 20. We see the resurrection of Jesus. So now, the first day of the week, this is verse 1, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now these roll away stones were expensive. And uh, my study Bible says, you know, expensive tombs could have this luxury of rollaway stones so that you could go back in and later, you know, put a new person in there um, or um, go in there to um, apply more spices to the body. Or after a year or so when the body gets decayed, you can then put the bones in other containers or whatever. So... Um, any in any event, we get other accounts of the the stone having a guard in front of this heavy stone, a Roman guard. Um, John is only focusing on the Lord Jesus, so in his account. So uh, it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away. This is Mary Magdalene from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. This is talking about John, John himself, who's writing this. And said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So they don't, and we, meaning there were probably other people with Mary. So Peter, this is verse 3, went out with the other disciple. This is John, Peter and John, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Might be a little friendly competition here. Um, but in any event, Peter was probably an older man, maybe. Hard to say. But John makes there first. John is a count that he made it there first. He's stooping in. He's looking in. He saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. It might have been out of deference to Peter in, in the leadership position, or it might have been out of just a reverence that he had. And Peter, when he got there, he wasn't as reverent. So in any event, verse 6, Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Obviously, it doesn't look like Somebody had tried to steal the body because if they had, if they took the body, why would they spend the time all night to unwrap him when you got this glue setting in? And grave robbers really wouldn't have done it because if they just robbed, they would have taken the whole thing. So they come in and they find these perfectly laid up linens lying there, the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Verse 8, Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, 
and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Verse 10, then the disciples went back to their homes. So in other words, and my study Bible makes a good point, that it's evidence here, uh, first, the presence of two male witnesses rendered as the rendered the evidence admissible under Jewish law. So even Jesus' resurrection, when they see him, it's admissible under Jewish law. I think that's great. And it, uh, as of yet, they don't understand the Scripture, proves that the disciples did not fabricate a story to fit their preconceived notions of what was predicted. Rather, they were confronted with the facts, certain facts which they initial, initially were unable to relate to Scripture. Only later, added by the Spirit's teaching ministry, were they able to do so. So, in other words, they're not trying to make up something about Jesus to fit a narrative. They're basically saying, you know, we don't know, we don't understand what's happening. We're just telling you what we see. So then you get verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. Now, this is sort of in contrast to, you know, at least John, when it says he went in and he saw and he believed. He probably believed that Jesus rose from the dead maybe at this time, but they didn't understand the scripture. They just are confronted with the fact that it doesn't look like he's there anymore, and he believed, he might have believed that he raised from the dead. They went back to their homes. And these guys must have been really excited or confused. They don't understand what this means, but they know he's not there. And Mary's crying, still crying. She hasn't left. And as she wept and stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. Now, obviously, they weren't there when Peter and John went in. And they said to her, Woman, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord. In other words, she doesn't believe he's raised from the dead. And I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Now, when she turned around, that would have meant Jesus wasn't in the tomb. He was outside the tomb. Because she was just looking, stooping, looking into the tomb. So, having said this, she turned around. Okay, she's back outside the tomb. She's like wondering, okay, there's two guys in there. And then she sees Jesus coming along. She thinks he's the gardener, because I remember this is in a garden. <laughs> and Jesus, and it might have been dark. So maybe she, you know, sometimes when you, as McGee says, sometimes when you don't believe something, you don't recognize somebody. You don't, you're not expecting to see him. The last image she has of Jesus was a bloody pulp upon that cross. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? This is verse 15. This would have been what a gardener would say to somebody. Hey, why are you crying? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if, I, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, 
and I will take him away. I mean, she doesn't even go into why she's crying. She's just now, her mind is racing, and she's saying, listen, tell me where, you, you know, if, you, if you've done this, tell me now so I can do this. You know, she's just getting to it. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. In other words, she turned. She was already walking around. She was pacing or doing something. And he settles her right down. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. She was obviously clinging to him, holding him. She can't believe it. For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers. Now, interesting how Jesus is calling his disciples now brothers. We are his brothers too. And say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. In other words, Jesus is teaching them, them right now the relationship. You're my brothers. We have a heavenly father. To my God and to your God. So God is now our father and we are now brothers. He's teaching her this. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. So, that's where we stop. Tremendous, tremendous, you know, part of the gospel message. This is the resurrection of Jesus is the gospel message. If you don't have the resurrection of Jesus, you don't have the gospel message. This is what we put our faith in. We'll stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing what you've got to say today. And as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you here next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from John chapter 19, beginning at verse 38, all the way through to John chapter 20, verses 1 through to verse 18. So scripture reads verse 38 of John chapter 19. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. Verse 39. And Nicodemus who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. So this is after John has recorded to us here the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the, um, so here we have Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. They were more like... Um, <clears throat> the undertakers who handled the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was, uh, that's um, Joseph of Arimathea, he was well-to-do financially, and Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews and had actually come to the Lord Jesus Christ by night. So both these men are what we would actually call today the secret disciples of Christ. And now they come out in the open for the first time. So Joseph had a new sepulchre. A tomb. So he asked for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ because he had some influence and, you know, he was financially well off. So he asked for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and Nicodemus 
here we see brings a mixture of myrrh and aloes that's like a hundred pounds of it verse 40 goes on to read then they took the body of jesus and bound it in straps of linen with the spices as the custom of the jews of the jews is to bury so custom of the jews is to bury they don't burn <clears throat> so this is what they actually did so they were kind of like not to be irreverent but they were like mummifying the body of jesus so um in the land of egypt when they were actually um slaves there they learned um how to embalm how to preserve a dead body so to a child of god there is that actually um connection with the body of the believer that we believe you know whether in the old testament or the new testament the body will be raised someday so we are sown in corruptible seed or in corruption and raised in incorruption so sown in weakness and raised in power so we believe we're going to be raised one day in a glorified body and it will be you know a glorified body and for this reason believers have always had you know a reference a care and concern for the body you know how it should be buried but you know it's nothing pagan as you know like the egyptians had in their beliefs so here we have joseph of arimathea and nicodemus they wrapped the lord jesus christ's body up in linen and put in the mixture of spices to actually seal it to seal out the air so that was the mixture of the myrrh and the um aloes so they actually made you know like a mummy of the lord jesus christ they mummified his body so it's like they bound each and every part of his body the fingers and all and they you know they wrap like linen around one finger then they would put in myrrh and and then aloes the mixture of spices um and this was to actually just seal out the ear verse 41 goes on to read now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in the garden a new tomb or sepulchre in which no one had been laid so there they laid jesus because the jews preparation day for the tomb was nearby so they actually took him down before the passover evening and uh, that was before sundown when the passover began and it was actually very convenient because the tomb was close by you know to where he was actually crucified and they put him there um <clears throat> so he was crucified outside of the city that's in Golgotha, like, you know, place of the skull, and the tomb was close by. So we get to chapter 20, and chapter 20, verse 1 reads, Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene right, went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So it was the first day of the week. So Mary here, Mary Magdalene, came to the tomb, and she had no thought that he was actually raised from the dead so she verse 2 goes on to read um then she ran and came to simon peter and to the other disciples whom jesus loved and that was john and said to them they have taken away the lord out of the tomb 
and we do not know where they have laid him. So she actually didn't have resurrection in her mind because obviously she was going to a cemetery, a tomb. She didn't, ex and you know, she didn't expect to find a living person in a tomb. So she thought somebody had actually moved his body and put it elsewhere. Verse three. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciples, and were going to the tomb. So Peter and John, that's someone Peter and John, did not actually go to the graveyard, like I said, to look for the living. So they went to look for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they expected to find the body there. Verse 4 goes on to read. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter, Simon Peter, and came to the tomb first. That was um, John. So the other disciple, John, so he was younger than Peter, and he could actually outrun Simon Peter, who was uh, much older. Verse 5 goes on to read. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying, where, lying there, yet he did not go in. So he had some kind of, you know, being young and all, he had some kind of, like, respect and all. So John got there first. And what John saw convinced him that the Lord Jesus Christ was back from the dead, even though he didn't see him at this particular time. So all he saw was the evidence there. And God uses little things like this to actually bring conviction to the hearts of many. Like the saying that Dr. Jeeva McGee gave, it says, great doors swing on little hinges, which actually holds true. And it's the small, small things that actually bring conviction to a person's heart. You know, you notice like little things, like say for example, when um, you know the baby Moses was left in the bulrushes, you know, just at the right time. He cried and Pharaoh's daughter actually heard and that's how um, you know, there was a connection between the baby's crying and the heart the mother's heart. And that's how she got um, Moses and this changed an entire nation. Okay, verse 6 goes on to read. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. So here... What did he see? What did John see? Like I said earlier, it's the small things. What did he see that actually caused him to believe? So he saw the linen cloths lying there. So when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus buried the Lord Jesus Christ, they put him in <clears throat> the tomb. They actually made um, a mummy out of him. Like we said, they kind of like mummified him. Like they wrapped him up in, in linen. So they wrapped him in linen um, and around the linen as you know they did they actually put myrrh and aloes and that myrrh and aloes actually formed some sort of glue and it actually sealed the body and to get a body out of um out of this uh wrapping and all one has to unwind it so the lord jesus christ came up out of that just as a seed actually comes out of the ground and um you know like the like a corn seed like i think the lord jesus christ what i think the lord jesus christ actually gave this 
um, talked about this actually, you know, <clears throat> when a grain of corn is actually planted in the ground, it first dies and then it just springs up and there's corn that's actually formed, new seeds and new corn that's actually formed at the top, but that, that seed is still in the ground and when it comes up, it leaves its shell down there. So all that was left in the tomb was the shell that he had been in. And, you know, when Lazarus came forth from the grave, the Lord Jesus Christ said, and loose him as he was still tied up in those grave clothes. But the Lord Jesus Christ left all that and came forth in a glorified body. So this was resurrection. So God uses small things like this to actually change the hearts of people. So all it took for John was to actually see the linen cloths lying there. And obviously that handkerchief was still in the shape of like a head because he just came up and left the shell there. And this is what um, um, caused, John, uh, caused John to actually believe. So this is what John saw and he believed. Verse 9 goes on to read. So as they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So they had heard him say that he would actually rise from the dead. They actually didn't really understand what he was saying, but they actually heard him say that. And the Old Testament had also spoken of it. So many times, you know, we tend to read scripture and we feel we have understood it until, you know, we have like an experience in our lives. And that's when we actually tend to really understand it. So now they had actually, you know, what he had said, they heard it. But now they were actually understanding what he meant. Um, so it's people's experiences. Like when David wrote um, the, um, the prayer, Our Father um, who art in heaven. Um, you know, he was writing it out of experience. You know, is he the one who wrote that prayer? Um, I'm, I'm modeling that up. But, oh, sorry not our father who art in heaven when he wrote um oh god i had it at the tip of my fingers um the lord is my shepherd yes that's what i was looking for so the lord is my shepherd i shall not want so he david was writing it because he had experienced certain things in his life and he actually understood what he was writing so it's out of experience that we actually tend to understand um, certain things in our lives or if we read scripture that's when we get to really understand like a certain scripture we may read it and, you know know it but once we experience it that's when we get to understand it verse 10 goes on to read then the disciples went away again to their homes but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping and as she wept she stooped down and looked into the tomb and when she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the end and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain, then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Verse 14. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. So she didn't know him either. You know, when we have actually seen before that Judas also didn't know him. So the reason Mary Magdalene didn't know him was because 
the fact that she did not believe the fact that he was back from the dead. Unbelief is blind and dumb. So in the case of Zacharias, Zachariah, sorry, um, he was dumb until John the Baptist was born. So his tongue got tied until John the Baptist was born because he didn't believe. From Mary's case here, she didn't recognize him because she didn't believe he had risen. Verse 15 goes on to read, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried away, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. So she had so much concern, but she actually didn't recognize him. Verse 16 goes on to read, Jesus said to her, Mary, and that's all it just took for him to actually just mention him, uh, her name. And this is what's, you know, what's, Jesus actually, like in scripture, he called out the names of like the people he raised from the dead, their names of the dead people. And he told them to come forth. And this might be what's going to happen, like, you know, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes during the resurrection of the dead in Christ. And he would just call out um, their names. So he just called her name. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they know him and follow him. So he said, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Verse 17 goes on to read, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them i am ascending to my father and your father and to my god and your god so he said you know here he's just basically saying touch me not so later on he actually told the disciples in the upper room to touch him because he said he hadn't ascended <clears throat> to the father so his relationship here you know the other point to note so the first was he hadn't descended. He, he told her not to touch him. And then the second point is his relationship to the father is different from our relationship to him. So we become sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And he is a member of the Trinity. So he makes the, that distinction here. And scripture goes to read verse 18. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. What a glorious you know, day, time, and feeling it must have been to actually see the glorified um, Christ who had risen and died for our sins. And, um, you know, the belief and conviction that the disciples had. So this is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a blessed day. Bye-bye.